Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything. And as damn as we are, we're ready to bring in... Nope. I was trying to make a funny voice, dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. I was trying to be all so high, so super energy. I so didn't work. I, I, I know that our, our, our last episode just got released and you haven't had a chance to listen to it, but I, I got to listen to it. And it's me flying solo talking about what are the ingredients of Christendom? How did Christendom kind of get born or poured forth? Matt, as I was listening to it, Man, you know, sometimes when I get on that soapbox, I kind of ramble a little bit or kind of get preachy fire and brimstone. I think that was 20 minutes of the last episode straight. Of you being preachy, fire and brimstone-y? I even got exhausted in moments of it. It was really good content. Don't get me wrong. Are you saying you got exhausted listening to yourself? Like listening to myself. I'm like, man, how did I say that much that long? Like boom, 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 boom. Did I even take a breath? And so I'm so glad you're here today. Welcome back. I'm glad Snowpocalypse is in the rearview mirror because I just want to acknowledge that you provide in those moments where I get going just that levity to be like, okay, Chris. Let's take a breath and let me time to let me, slow down. Time to tap the brakes there, Turbo. And, and maybe, so. like, maybe what we need to have happen also is for everybody that was listening that noticed something that Matt would have made fun of. Maybe you need to comment on that. Like, comment on last week's post and say, "Hey, Matt, you totally missed this," or "Matt, you totally missed this." Please, but in a, in a charitable way, make a sandwich. Like, make a a, a nice compliment, a compliment sandwich. sandwich. <laughs> yeah, like, and then what we can that, do is. <laughs> You can record your own thing just reading those bits, and we can ask Taylor to put those in, and we can just, like, Photoshop you into the episode. Because that's all I do, is just sit here and make fun of you and stop you. You you add plenty of value, but those who reach out to me with messages like, Matt was kind of rough on you this week's episode, I love them the most. I love those listeners the most. So, does Hold on a second. Does anyone actually do that? Two people. <laughs> like, okay, how often? And is it just your mom? No, it's not just your mom. Um, and it's about every six episodes. It's not very often. <laughs> but, but but let that weigh on you, Matt. It has happened multiple times where someone's reached out to me and been like, yeesh. So anyways, okay, moving back on. Last week we talked about really the birthing of Christendom. Hold on, Sorry. no. How many how many times how many times has Taylor reached out to you after he listens to the editing? He's like, "Oh man, I bet Chris is crying in the corner right now. I need to call him." Zero. <laughs> okay, that's Zero. kind of what I thought. Yeah, and Taylor Taylor has Ooh. checked on me before, but on different <laughs> on different aspects. But 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 Taylor knows. Anyways, okay, moving on. We talked oh, about and I, I say birthing. I think maybe the ingredients that led to christendom and we talked about sherry waddell's uh new book the building an intentional parish sure and so today what we're going to discuss is really kind of that same process with fewer bartlett ramblings uh from the perspective of like where do ministry leaders come from yeah this uh topic has been on my my head or my mind or whatever for the last couple weeks because we talk about ministry leaders all the time as if they're just always there um, and little Johnny's never asked us, you know, hey, daddy, hey, Chris, where do ministry leaders come from? Well, a mommy ministry leader and a daddy ministry leader share a special hug. <laughs> um, and so we thought it might be fun to go through that, like all the different ways that ministry leaders come about. And, they, and there are different types of ministry leaders, um, some that are leaders in, in their homes, 
I, I don't want to say only, but they're ministry leaders in their homes and their families. There are ministry leaders that are at, at, like within their parish as volunteers. There are ministry leaders that are professional. And there are ministry leaders that are like nationally known, right? Um, but they all come from, and they all come from different ways. Different people come into ministry in different ways. So I thought it'd be fun just to, to talk about the different ways people come into ministry. Excellent. So caveat, we're going to mention a number of different pieces not everyone's going to fit the mold. I think everyone is an outlier in some aspect. I have a friend that comes from an extremely broken family, and he's an amazing ministry leader. I know people who uh, who are bad ministry leaders. Like, it's clear that they're called to ministry. So there's outliers in other ways as well. So maybe <laughs> the, the premise is where do good ministry leaders come from? Because I think that uh, anyone who is baptized is called to be a ministry leader to some degree by virtue of their baptism. Sure. And so every baptized person is a ministry leader. It's just, we got a lot of bad ones. And, and we see that in, in manhood as well. It's like, are you a, a boy? No, you're a man, but you're just not a good man. You know what yeah. I mean? And we, when we yeah. talk about manhood and it's like, it's time for you to be a man. It's like, it's time for you to be a good man because God already created you as a man. And I'm coming from like a men's group hoorah sure. type of perspective. So just those caveats as we start, Matt. I don't know if I would necessarily say good, but maybe that's the next step. You know, maybe we start out somewhere like, where do they come from? You know, it's like... Um, cause a lot of people think, oh, well, I haven't had this, like, I don't know, cloud breaking moment where like God breaks through and, ah, whatever. And he, this beam of light hits me and boom, I'm a ministry leader, you know? So I must not, I must not be called. If that hasn't happened, I must not be called. I'm not a ministry leader. As a distinction. So a, a specific spot to serve makes them a ministry leader. All other times, they're just on that mission of being a disciple. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? So what, I don't know. I, I just think some people think I must not be a ministry leader because I'm not X or because at Y hasn't happened to me or whatever. And I, I, I kind of want to debunk that, you know, in, yeah. in one way um, is that the calling or, or what got you to where you are or whatever does not like um, what Chris, what did I do? What did I say? No, I'm just saying the calling yours was a trap. Yeah, you got, mine was you a got trap. Tricked. Absolutely, you got, got tricked into becoming a ministry I got duped. leader. Um, but no, like whatever got you into the place you are, into the position you're in, that's your calling. That's how God got you there. There's no right way or wrong way for you to get into ministry. It's just like however God got you there is was what He had to do to get you there. You know, even if it was just like a pretty girl, and then now that girl's gone. Well, why am I here now? I guess I'm here for ministry. God got gotcha, you, you know, like <laughs> sneaky Jesus, <laughs> you know. And so Chris is joking about mine. Like um, sometimes we as ministry leaders are very like we we wag our fingers at each other and say, you know, you shouldn't get people just to be warm seats because that's wrong, you know, like and whatever. I was a freaking seat warmer. Right. Like I, I was like the, the youth minister from my home parish needed a, a, a warm male body to be a chaperone. And boom, like that was when I like I, I came on that. Um, it was like, OK, sure, I'll be there. And that, and then like 20 years later, this is me, which is stupid. Like it's ridiculous. Um, so like don't discount the the seat warmer and don't discount that call. Like, oh, uh, like I was only called to warm this seat. Well, yeah, that may be, have been God's excuse to get you there, um, but he, he, he can do amazing things with that, and he can do amazing things with you, no matter what your call is, like how you got where you are. So that's yeah. one way. Like, what's another way? Like following a cute girl. Yeah, sure, that's another way. Um, and then there are those people that, that do have those callings, like that just know. 
I don't know if you've listened to uh, anything of Bob Rice's new podcast, uh, Speaking with Deacons, um, but his call, like his uh, his story, like God directly told him, like you're going to be a deacon. And then he told a nun, <laughs> you know, and then that nun told him, and he's like, wait a second. I don't know if it was a nun or just some lady that was there praying with him, but but that was like a, an obvious calling, right? Um, sometimes those happen, but just because it doesn't happen to you doesn't mean that's the only way it's supposed to happen. I uh, I really like the charism-based ministry leader on-ramp to where it's like, oh, I'm really good at this, or I find myself really fulfilled by doing this type of work or this type of service, and then the church has an opportunity where that skill set or that gifting could be utilized to bring people closer to Christ. It's th- those are like the sweetest pairings. That's that, that's like the 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 Cupid arrow king, and it's like, oh, this need and your gifts, and boom, it's perfect. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's not always how it happens. In no. fact, I'd say that's <laughs> rarely ha- how yep. it happens. The other thing I think is state in life. I think this is really important for us as ministry leaders to recognize. So I led Children's Liturgy of the Word, or I was one of the people that helped lead Children's Liturgy of the Word. Now, am I passionate about uh, the Word of God? Absolutely. Do I love my children? Absolutely. Is standing up in front of a room of uh, kindergartners and first graders something that excites me? Not at all, (laughs) right? But my kids were going... Uh, during during a mass on Sundays to this opportunity Sunday after Sunday and I had to take them they had to have one adult with them so I would take them and while I was there I was like I could add value in this situation I could help make this better and I'm here anyways may as well use some of my giftings to be able to add value to it and so my state in life put me into that place and I think we see a lot of that especially in children's ministry and youth ministry where the parents are going to come along whether that's as a chaperone or as a, a you know a catechist or a core team member, and to be able to develop them during that time so that after their children leave the program, that they recognize, you know what, I'm a ministry leader in this program, regardless of whether my children are in that program, like there's an opportunity to develop because of the state in life that comes. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so and that's the, like, I don't know if we talked about this at the beginning of the episode or not, but... A ministry leader does not mean professional ministry leader. Like a parent is a ministry leader. Baptized Catholic, baptized Christian is a ministry leader. Um, And if you have a gifting in a certain area and you go in and you see that your gift is needed um, and you offer to share it and they say yes, then you've just elevated yourself or you have been elevated to a different level of ministry leadership. Um, and I think we should like be looking for those opportunities. How is it that God wants to use me in this particular scenario or within this particular ministry or church um, in, in, a, in a new way, you know, or in a bigger way, like once we've been there? So one question in light of that is how are we a different ministry leader or have we been built into a better ministry leader from where we were a year ago, right? How are we developing as ministry leaders Probably a tangent for another episode. I think some of the more obvious ones in regards to like, where do ministry leaders come from? They come from families. Mm. They come from holy families, like people who pray together and have a sense of mission in their family, uh, build people that uh, that grow into, into ministry leaders. I think they come from holiness, from people who are prayerful people, because love makes demands, right? I, I agree with you. I do agree with you. Um, they, you they, don't they, look. Your body language says otherwise. Well, like it, it's like, and, and I know you're not saying this. They, they like ministry leaders come from holy families, and they come from holy holiness. And it's like, 
Yes, that is 100% true. Um, but what about all those people that don't have holy families? You know, what about all those people who, who like don't feel like they're holy? God is calling them too. Like they're, they're called to, and, and often they're called to, to different places than the, and I'm, I know this isn't the family you're painting, than the, like the whitewashed family, like this portrait where everything's perfect, you know? <laughs> Are they wearing blue jeans, white t-shirts, and they're <laughs> yeah, on a beach? Exactly. You know, but like, like it takes all kinds of people, all kinds of ministry leaders to be able to reach all of God's people. Well, and I think that's a vital reality because um, I think relatability, accompaniment is one of the key pieces in ministry. And I don't care if that's with children's ministry all the way up through adult ministry or whatever, to be able to see someone that looks like, uh, that looks like you, or that looks like they could uh, walk in your shoes is so important to be like, oh, that person's here and he's a leader or she's a leader and they look like me. Like that means that this church, this faith, this religion has a place for people like me. Yep. And so I absolutely agree that people from broken homes are absolutely called to serve in ministry. Um, I just see that more, uh, more youth participate in the youth ministry that I've in the youth ministries I've led that they come from situations that are a little bit more typical as opposed to atypical. And I think there's just a lot of chaos in some of the atypical situations that make making space for ministry leadership, something that doesn't fall onto their purview. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And that's one of the things as like someone who's worked in ministry for long enough, especially worked with young people for long enough, um, the family and the parents and how they're raising the kids has a longer lasting impact on the, the, lifelong religiosity of the kid. I mean, that's just like kind of a given. Um, but it may be years down the road that that kid like becomes a ministry leader because they need, we needed a, a, a seat warmer, you know, like we need yes. a warm body. <laughs> and there, therein lies the beauty. Okay. So can someone who doesn't have a developed prayer life be a ministry leader? Yes. Yes. There's something so beautiful about that. It's like baptism. Can someone who's not even baptize, baptize someone. Yes, ministry leadership is so accessible that just a warm body to meet a safe environment ratio type of situation, and God's like, oh, okay, we're going to do this. Or God's like, this is why I called you, and this is your pathway to holiness. You don't have to be holy before you become holy through the yes to God, Yeah. right? And there's something so powerful about that that says to us, we should be willing. Now, I'm not saying you're like, okay, Let's bring the drug dealer since he already knows most of the youth in our program. Like, <laughs> there's obviously some boundaries and some stipulations that you want to put on there, but there's something powerful about making ministry leadership accessible. So I don't have to have a prayer life to be able to welcome someone into a building. Yeah. And maybe that's where they're at. They might not make the best small group leader or they yeah. might not make the best teacher, but, uh, but they could certainly make a great person for hospitality. Sure. Yeah, and then the the yeah the closer they get to stuff like that, the the deeper they they'll want to go, and that's the that's our goal, you know, as the the leaders of the leaders or whatever you want to call it, you know, is is helping everybody take take that next step. There's a there's an analogy that I used, and you mentioned it, you know, as far as it's this whole ladder, you know, to get up and clean this window. You know, I want you to use this. I, I want you to clean that window, but I want you to be up there first. You can't use the ladder. <laughs> And it's like, wait a second, you want me to do this, but I can't use the ladder? It's like, yeah. It's like, that's impossible. Yes, exactly. You know, it's that, that, that whole thing of like, come to God with the crap you have in your hand and just grab his hand while you're still holding on to it. 
Yeah. You know, um, because that's, that's how you're going to get there, you know? Because what percentage of ministry leadership is us? Yeah. <laughs> like it's a small percentage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then God develops it. And then all of a sudden there's this beautiful thing that happens where you start to lose what percentage is yours and what percentage is God's. Because as we become holy, we start to have more of God kind of amongst us in, in regards to that. Now I'm making it sound like that chocolate milk analogy that we do at confirmation <laughs> yeah. sometimes. And I'm not saying that. I'm not being all that fancy, but... I am saying that we're, we we start lose sight of our own gifts when they when they keep resting in the hands of God. Yeah. So where else do ministry leaders come from, Chris? Where else do ministry leaders come from? Unexpected places. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a, uh, a an extremely old person who's like, I'm retired now. I've been working in these different areas and we had some teams come out. He worked for Habitat for Humanity or, or worked on, volunteered with. It's like we had some teams come out. I really enjoyed working with them. Can I volunteer for your youth program? And he became a volunteer for our youth program. And I'm not saying he was old as dirt, but he was much older than the average uh, volunteer that we had on the team. And so I think that that's, that's an important thing to think about is like, what if something that was unexpected came in? It's like you don't look like all the other ministry leaders. You're not in the same age demographic. Can they still volunteer? We've also had teens that were co-catechists. Obviously, we need another adult in the room for some elementary programs. And by the end of the first semester, there's a there's a teen we used to have in our program named Kate. And she ended up being the lead catechist and the other the adult in the room was just there to make sure that Kate was able to uh, unleash her gifts on the the children that she was serving like it, it's amazing that's awesome um and so don't 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 think that unexpected place lift up that rock and see what's underneath it and make that a ministry leader you know yeah so yeah on the on the other side those are those of us who are looking for ministry leaders to take a little bit of a bigger role or be a bigger part of the program we're doing we can very much uh stereotype the people we're looking at and, and we can look for young people. Like, oh, I need to find a young person to reach out to the young people. Hooey, that's bull. Like that, sure, some of that is maybe more effective and, and more helpful for them to make that continuity. Like, oh, I can see myself like this person. Um, but there is something that an older person or a different person can bring to that uh, that relationship to those people that... Uh, that the young person can't. And the same thing goes for RCIA. Like, take it the other direction. RCIA, oh, well, you need to be an older established person in the faith or whatever. I don't even know what they look for when they look for RCIA, like people, volunteers. But that would be, you know, it's like, no, no. Like, why don't you reach out to some of the, like, like why, talk to the youth minister. Ask the youth minister and ask, the, ask them if they know of any, like, solid kids that would be great to bring to RCIA. Because that, that, like, that kind of youth, that kind of vigor that comes from young people, even some of the, honestly, maybe some of the naivete that comes with a young person, it actually helps the the adults in the program look at the faith just a little bit differently, you know, kind of right. like the way Jesus wants us to. Oh, my know? gosh. Uh, a, a second grader, and you tell him, hey, Jesus is present in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And they're like, okay, yep. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, no, let me break down John chapter six. They're like, I, no, I got it. And then you go to an adult and you're like, they're like, wait a minute. You're telling me that that piece of bread is actually Jesus. I don't know. And then you're like, well, let me break down John chapter six. Look how they use the word nah, like to chew, you know, and things like that. And they're like, okay, okay. I see some scriptural things. But a second grader is like, no, I get it. Okay, cool. What's next? You know, and so there's something beautiful about the different stages of faith. 
um, that, that people find themselves in that can be leveraged as in, in ministry leadership. Yeah, you might find that ministry leader in the second grade class. Exactly. Well, how beautiful would that be to have like a, a third grader who just received their first Holy Communion show up at RCIA, you know, with their parent and, and kind of just give a little two minute thing of like, this is what ex- I experienced. And it was really beautiful. The wine tasted a little bit icky, but everything, you know what I mean? Like, there's just something beautiful about inviting people to yeah. the Eucharist from the mouth of children. Yeah. Um, yeah. And giving them permission to have some ownership in it. One thing I've seen is a kind of charism based. I've had a couple of people that came in, and I learned this early on in ministry to really kind of go through a process like an interview process, but they wanted to be teachers. They didn't want to be catechists. They wanted to be teachers. They just wanted to tell the youth everything that they knew about Jesus. (laughs) They didn't want to learn the names of the youth. They just wanted people with ears. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so um, you, you have to look at the different charisms that they bring and order them in a certain way and even train them in a different way. That way they understand a perspective of ministry because ministry leaders aren't just uh, built, they're formed. You know, they don't just come, but they're, they're, they're formed, they're, they're, they're stewarded. And so there's a lot of pieces in there that I think we're kind of responsible for as parish leaders. Yeah, awesome. Well, cool. Any other thoughts, Chris, before we close? Yes, okay, so I want you to go in to Build-A-Bear. Have you ever been to Build-A-Bear? No. Okay, you understand the concept. I, you yes, go in there and there's the a, a couple of different skins and you can do all, you can even add scents. So we have bubblegum bear in our home and it still smells like bubblegum because of this little plastic thing that you shoved inside the bear. <laughs> it, it's so good. So you go into build a bear, but it's build a ministry leader. So an ideal ministry leader, what are some parts that you would put into your ministry leader before you said, okay, I've built a ministry leader? I mean, I, I think a lot of it depends on what you're going to do. Um, like, but I like love of Christ, like a desire to grow closer to Christ. And like, is uh, has to be in my mind that little heart that you shove inside it. <laughs> um, but uh, like some like self knowledge, you know, a little bit of self mastery, like knowing themselves. So that's different than them being perfect. It's rather that they know enough about themselves to know where they struggle and where they need to better strive. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And in, in a way like that they know their story, like how they got to where they are, um, which, which goes all the way back, like to the, the story of God's people like, in a way Like that may be, but that may be too much. Cause like, I don't think there's a perfect ministry leader, you know, I, at all. I, I think like it, my job, like one of the things that I've always seen is, teasing out and, and helping the person learn the ministry leader that God has called them to be from where they are, you know, not this. Yeah. So that's like, that's enough for me to start with. And that's all it's, I'm looking for. Like I'm not lo- love I'm, of God and willingness to strive. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So for me, I would also add a little bit of safe environment certified. <laughs> we can do that after they don't have to do that before they get here. Smart Alec. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying that that's, that's a real important piece. Um, there's something about a developed prayer life that I think is beautiful as well. Um, you know, there's, there's different contexts where you would want to put a guitar in the hand of one of these ministry leaders. Um, and you would want to put bigger ears in the hand of a different ministry leader, but all those things are custom fit. There's so many other customizable pieces that like, really, we don't need anything other than that, that stuffing or that little heart, uh, to build this ministry leader. And then everything else, like we can work with. Well, it's like, it makes me think of strengths finder. 
Like we're not like because I am not a guitar player. Um, you're, I mean, and and I am not. Uh, I did not have a developed prayer life at all. Um, not until after we started a blaze. You know, I'd been in ministry for ten years. Yeah. Before that, like even became a thing. God can do ridiculous things with people. Like whatever you give Him, it's like that uh, again. It's as cheesy it is that like that meager meal of that little kid at the feeding. Um, he can do amazing things with that. Like whatever we bring him, like whoever we bring him, whoever you are, like whatever ministry leader status you find yourself in, God can do amazing things with that, you know? So, and and I think the the beautiful thing is I think openness is maybe the other piece. Yeah. Right. Because you came and you were like, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll fill this seat. And there was at least a piece of you that's like, I'm doing some good because they have a need and I can fill it. So for a ministry leader to be born or where a ministry leader comes from, obviously is openness on one side of the person to say, I'm willing to show up, but also opportunity or a need. And that opportunity is most effectively done. The birthing of a ministry leader often comes through an invitation, Yep. right? Even if the invitation is a bad invitation and Matt, you got a bad invitation. <laughs> we, we need just another male, a warm male body. Matt, you have a warm male body. You're like, <laughs> I do. And here you are 20 years later. But but there's also other amazing invitations like, you know what, you have a really good way to journey with these youth or to accompany them. Or I see you at Mass and I can tell that you're a man of prayer. And all of a sudden there's more of a charism invitation that's specific to that. Uh, but an invitation is absolutely needed to become a ministry leader. And that is something that we can provide. A lot of what we talked about today comes from the individual themselves. But as ministry leaders, we need to provide that opportunity, that need, that invitation. And sometimes that means adjusting our ministries so that it involves more than just the four or five people that we depend on. It's like, well, what if we had smaller roles along the way so that we could have 10 or 12 or 20 people involved, even if they're not all as involved as kind of your inner circle? So invitation is a key part of the birthing of a ministry leader. Yeah. And, and like in having your ministry be doing a variety of things. You know, because if all you're doing um, is teaching and that's the field of what you do, like that audience that you're reaching, they have other needs um, other than just like learning from what you're what you're sharing with them. Um, and is there a way for us, a way for church to to meet those needs as well? You know, and your so. parish has people that would be great to meet those other needs. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Awesome, you guys. Well, thanks for joining us this week. Um, one thing we ask is if you could join us in our conversation online, we'd love to hear more from you. And that's Ministry Leaders Anonymous. It's a closed group. And if you can, uh, give us a five-star review. All right. Please send any feedback you guys have to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone. And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. But if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders and to bear one, like invite someone into ministry, call out a gift or a talent or something and call someone else into ministry leadership. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you.